This podcast was recorded a few short months before the COVID shit hit the fan. Needless to say, the ageism discussion will have a much larger impact than we originally thought. Enjoy. After a word from our sponsor. Sovereign is known for providing the world's best and most accurate parsing products. And now, based on that technology, comes Sovereign's artificial intelligence matching and scoring software. In fractions of a second, receive match results that provide candidates scored by fit to job, and just as importantly, the jobs fit to the candidate. Make faster and better placements. Find out more about our suite of products today by visiting Sovereign.com. That's S-O-V-R-E-N.com. We provide technology that thinks, communicates, and collaborates like a human. Sovereign. Software so human, you'll want to take it to dinner. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All right, all right, all right. What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Chad and cheese podcast hr's most dangerous podcast i'm your co-host joel cheeseman and i am chad young at heart so wash very nice and today we are to meet greet vinay singh the author of a new book entitled your future in pieces vinay welcome to the podcast thanks for having me guys you're an author what else should we know about you uh you know i spent uh my entire career uh 22 years and counting in uh, talent acquisition and human capital uh, business partnering with hundreds of companies. Um, a lot of it was on the agency side. Quite a bit of it was on the corporate side. Excellent. So let's just jump right into this. Right on the front of the book, it says the subtitle, The Brutal Truth, How Ageism and Income Equality Are Destroying America. And then now... Then you take a look at the back of the book. Now I know why you look so pissed off on the picture on the back of the book. Are you an angry man, Vinay? No, not at all. I'm actually very funny and uh, jovial. Why the book then? Obviously, ageism's happening. We know it's happening. But why the book? Obviously, it's it's a, a much bigger issue than what we all think it is. Absolutely. It really is. You know, when I first started in uh, in talent acquisition recruiting back in the 90s, I was very surprised to see... People coming to me at ages like mid to late 50s and highly accomplished, um, but uh, because of M&A, which is obviously all happening every single day, this is new in M&A, uh, but uh, these highly accomplished people simply couldn't get back into the market at a position where they were, and sometimes even one step down. And I was surprised to see how long it took for these people to get on. And me being in recruiting, I mean, I was representing people of all ages and of all technical abilities. I was a technology uh, uh, recruiter. Um, And the speed of which people at a younger age were getting off the market was very, very quick. And it it was progressively longer uh, for older people. And Honestly, a number of people that I uh, was uh, representing never got on the market. Is this a salary issue? I mean, because if you think about it, somebody, 
obviously has more experience. They can ask more. And if you are younger and you're coming new into the market, you're more moldable, right? So it's kind of like can't teach old dog new tricks, not to mention that's an expensive dog versus the new little puppy that you can train. Yeah. So that can be something that a company may say, but working internally, I know it's actually not really the truth. Okay. When companies every quarter post profits, you know, for per three month period in the billions. Yeah. But then, you know, they want this experience. Yeah. On the yeah. job description, the, yeah. the person matches, but you know, that $5,000, we just can't make it. Yeah. We're a, a, a multinational you know, $75 billion company, but that 5,000, yeah, we can't, we can, we, can't we can buy that. back so, stock, but we can't pay that extra $5,000. Buy back stock, uh, uh, last year to the tune of $1.2 trillion. What? I'm sorry, 2000, 2000 uh, 18 to 19. Yep. 18 to 19. Wow. That's huge. That's what they did with the tax plan. So a little bit of devil's advocate <clears throat> just coming out the gate. I, I'm an average person uh, in this example. And wow. when I'm watching the the Democratic primaries and I'm looking at the the party of diversity and inclusion and I'm looking at, you know, their first round of eliminations, more or less people of color go away. Right. Black candidates, Asian candidates, the next round of, of eliminations, women are gone uh, a gay man is gone. A younger gay man is gone. And the two candidates fighting it out for the nomination are surprise two old white dudes. So what do you tell someone that's just an average person on the street that's looking at that and convince them that ageism is a problem? And if I combat with isn't racism and sexism a bigger problem, how would you refute that? So let me take the, the ageism and then I'll, I'll respond about the uh, racism and sexism. Yeah. Uh, so ageism, isn't it ironic that so many people in the workforce at ages 40, 45, 50 are told they are not qualified or, you know, they don't understand technology or, you know, they don't fit. Yet the average CEO's age is 58 and you, so you can't really work in a company unless you're a CEO or if you're not in a company and you go into politics, you can't be in politics. You know, you can't do a lot of things in corporate America, but you can either be the president of the United States or a CEO of a company. So really, how, how, how does that work out? So you're saying it's fringe more than anything else. Uh, it just doesn't make sense, does it? Does it? You know, you can only have the highest jobs or nothing. Uh so that's that's kind of ironic. Um, and now to answer the uh, ageism, I'm sorry, the uh, uh, ethnic and the gender issue uh, that you brought up. Um, so this is the thing about uh, ageism as this last frontier of ism. Uh, what it does so uh, to uh, people of women or minorities, people of color, it is is exponentially exacerbated in ageism. So. Women that are older get exponentially more discriminated against than men. Yeah? And if you're a woman who's a minority, you know, X, you know, times it even further. So I, I like to say it like this, you know, ageism doesn't care about color, gender, ethnicity, if anything, doesn't see disability, doesn't see veterans, doesn't see anything. All you have to do 
is wake up and every day be a little bit older and slowly but surely ageism is coming for you. If you're healthy and you happen to get to an older age and are highly productive, it's coming for you. So if you're, if you're even a white man, it's coming for you. So if you happen to be a minority man, times it by two. And if you happen to be a woman, times it by three. And if you're a minority woman, times it by five. So there's compound, there, there's compound interest is what you're saying. I wouldn't say it's interest. <laughs> <laughs> no. Joel and I are both Xers. Are you an Xer? You've got to be an Xer. Okay. So here's the thing. And I know we're, we're kind of like getting into that, that age now, but I think for years we've always thought the boomers have had it so fucking easy, right? Uh, they, they had cheap college, uh, they had great, they had great economies for the most part. Right. And when we were in bad economies, they were in great places cause they had about three fucking houses. Um, so why are we feeling bad for these guys? Don't forget free love. Yeah. Free love. Yeah. We, the, we had to worry about HIV, you know, we had to worry about HIV and all that stuff. Couldn't get a shot for that. So why, yeah, should we, why, why, why should, why should we, you know, care about these guys having a hard time when they've had such an easy life as it is? You know, it, it, from a generational, so I'll group it into different generations. Um, the boomers are kind of on their way out of the workforce, but we are all living supposedly longer. Um, of course, that's true compared to a half century. I mean, that's just true. Overall, the statistics are there. But a uh, perfect example is this. Uh, this is Q4 data from EPI. Um, big fan of EPI, Economic Policy Institute, right? <coughs> They're a, uh, a very uh, well-known global institution. One out of five or 20% of baby boomers will have to work till the day they die. There is no retirement. There is no golden years. That's fact. It's not me. That's the real research. So I don't think when they were planning their retirement, they were looking forward to you know working at Walmart at 75 and going to uh, some other part-time Waffle House just to pay the bills and to keep their neck above water. Till, again, there is no goal. That's it. No retirement. That's what this American dream was for them? No, of course not. This is the struggling dream, right? This is the reality of today. So there is that for the boomers. Now, you mentioned Gen X, right? That's us, the three of us. Guess what? We're going to be moving into retirement in the next five years or so, right? Where some of us are already heading in there. Yeah, very doubtful. <laughs> right. Or I should say, let me take it back. Retirement uh, age. Yeah. But that's not going to happen, right? So we're going to help uh, in this number. Uh, so I just gave you one out of five or twenty percent. I say it's going to get worse, and we're going to move the basis point five, five to twenty-five percent. That's one out of four. When do we consider this an epidemic? One out of four Americans will not retire. They'll work to the day they die. That will be happening in the not too distant future. I don't think it's going to get better there either. I think it's going to the needle is going to keep on pushing. Closer to one out of three Americans, 33%. We talk a lot on the show about the gig economy and gig economies tend to be marketplaces that are meritocracies, right? Like, uh, do you really care that your Uber driver is 25 or 65? In most cases, you probably don't. Um, is it your sense that a growing gig economy will help level the playing field or do you still see you know problems ahead for that as well? Yeah, this gig economy uh, is and every 20 years we just change terms, terminologies. It's just a consulting economy. That's what a gig worker is. So let's just look at what a gig worker gets. 
we see in the media, the gig economy gives freedom to people. Uh, people can set their own hours. How fun is that to know that you can be fired on any given hour of any given day? How great is it to wake up every morning and not wonder if you have, when you go into work, will you even have that job? How great is it to have no career ladder and no future prospect of where you're going? How great is it to not get a company bonus? How great is it not to get company benefits? You know, all these things, I don't know anybody that's excited about all not having those things. And in California, they're already constructing laws that if you get hurt on the job, you can't sue. So I guess that goes into, and I don't, I'm not an expert in, in legal legality, corporate legality and this kind of stuff, but I, I assume maybe that means you can't get workers comp. So where is the, all this wonderful stuff that we talk about for the gig worker? It doesn't really exist. Who does the gig economy benefit? It benefits shareholders and the executive class. If a company can hire 30% of their employees or their workforce, their workforce, because gig workers are not an employee. If 30% of their work productivity is coming from a gig employee, well, -hmm. they don't have to pay those people benefits. That's a huge savings. Where does that money go? I don't know. Shareholders. Shareholders and executive class? Sure, why not? (laughs) We also talk a lot on the show about automation. Um, and how robots are going to put all of us out of work anyway. So what are your thoughts on automation? And aren't we all really screwed anyway, no matter our age? But we're so, so excited to implement uh, uh, AI technology into HR or TA and into marketing and, and everything else, right? We're, we're all so enthusiastic to see the, the elimination of our future careers, or at least that's what it's touted, right? How excited we all are about AI and tech. Uh, which will eliminate our, our jobs. So there's that. But if there are better jobs, which is the counter to that, right? The menial uh, jobs, uh, the jobs that are, uh, you know, that have uh, minimal uh, tasks that are, are, are repetitive and redundant, right? If those things go into automation and that frees people up to ha- be more creative, then that would be a good thing. But that in turn requires probably more education, uh, and more reskilling, but are companies putting that money into reskilling, which brings me back to ageism? Then why are people fearing for their careers at ages thirty-five at San Francisco in San Francisco, believe it or not, and forty in New York, Dallas, Atlanta, Chicago, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. And that's really where ageism is happening. Sixty-six percent of not blue-collar coal miner Rust Belt. I'm saying. 40 to 66% of people ages 40 to 45 in white collar IT jobs fear for their career jumps to over 90%, jumps over 90% at age 50. So this is a whole group of qualified workforce that has already proven to be uh, productive, but we're not reskilling them. So then what are we doing? Why are we letting these people... Why are we creating this ageist culture and making it harder for these people to 
either retain their jobs or move up. And I think you're right. As you grow older, it becomes a bigger problem. Companies don't want to put money into reskilling. They don't want to put money into wages. They don't want to put money into the areas in which they actually grow their company. They grow their company off their employees. The employees make the products. The employees provide the services. The individuals at the top, the CEO is getting paid 1,500 times that of the person actually doing the hard work. We have a fundamental issue in understanding how our system should work. Capitalism combined with uh, some type of redistribution of prosperity. Whether it's wealth, whether whatever it is, our middle class is getting fucked. And in this whole conversation, the individuals who are in the middle class are older for the most part. Uh, so therefore, they're definitely going to be in the higher realm of getting fucked. So, I mean, th this is a hard question to answer because there are so many fucked up problems in our economy and the way that our government deals with corporate America today, right? Well, so you, you mentioned two things. So from an ageist culture, you had said we're getting older and, and this is happening. But here's the kicker. We're making ageism is creeping younger and younger and younger. Ageism was happening 20, 30 years ago when you were in your 50s. Now it's permeating the age 35 and, and to uh, an up class. So we're telling people in San Francisco, get out of the way. You're too old at 35. <laughs> so, it, you know, what is so that's what I'm trying to say. It's it's so counterproductive to just human life and the ability to generate uh, equity, A, eh? but what are we doing when we're telling people you're no longer relevant at ages 35 and 40? That's not old. That's prime. So it's a perversion. That's what ageism and ageist culture is. It's perverted. So that, that that's what I wanted to say about it's it, ageism is not just about older people. It's quite frankly, we're creating people that are younger and making them deemed as older when they're not. Uh, so there's that. Uh, and I think that is a huge problem. And that is a corporate culture problem. And it is also a social problem. And when you combine these two together, I mean, that's we get all our we, we go to work. We spend at least a third, if not more of our lives at work. And then when we're not, we're, we're living in our social lives. So this is the kind of stuff you turn on TV. And I mean, I see um, some of the most popular uh, talk show hosts, you know, say to the, about themselves. I literally just saw Trevor Noah yesterday. He was talking to one of his, uh, one of the people on his staff that comes in as, as uh, that side component. Uh, the person was younger. I forget the person's name, but he, he said, I'm not old. Trevor Noah is saying that. How's Trevor Noah old? But so he's right. But he's saying it, I think to somebody that must be young. Well, clearly he's younger, but it, it's, 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 it's perverted culture. And it, and it only, it doesn't benefit the vast majority of society. Hence the reason why the middle class is slowly being deteriorated. And, it, and quite frankly, what this is doing overall to the country is it's actually imploding our country because if the majority of Americans cannot spend, then GDP does not grow. So this backfires on the United States of America. We're Xers and we grew up with Gordon Gecko and greed is good. And that's really kind of like a mantra that that we've really embraced, I think, in our country right now, I think is really providing this mechanism for implosion. I mean, d don't you? What? How, how is this happening? 
how's the ageism piece, whether it's salary, benefits, whatever it might be, how does that fit all into how we've lived our last 30 years of our lives? You're right. I mean, it's funny that you mentioned Gordon Gecko, right? That might be like the beginning of how the boomers took it and ran and Gen X grabbed it and ran and et cetera, et cetera. So it has been happening. It hasn't, it has, it's not just a new thing. Yeah. It's been happening for a while. And I guess uh, I, I'll just throw out uh, some statistics. We're heading towards the 50 year mark where uh, there's a point in the seventies where things actually just turned. Um, and the ex- CEO class was exponentially getting more of an increase in compensation while the bottom multiple classes saw little to nothing. And so year to year over year, excuse me, adjusted for inflation, it's about 0.2% for the last 40 to 50, somewhere in there, like 45 years. While at the same time, the CEO class has seen their gains go to about 937%. That was the last statistics I saw. That's not 2020 stats, 2018 to 2019 stats. So this has been happening for a while, but it's now exponentially increasing more and more and more. And here's the thing. The CEO compensation is really not validated. They are not, there's there's no performance components that say if a CEO hits X, 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 X targets, they get this money. Like maybe a, a sports player or uh, the majority of workers do. You got to produce. That isn't really the case when it comes to the CEO class. Their compensation isn't tied to performance. So it, that also is like kind of like a why? That's perverted too. Where are you on uh, in terms of education? I mean, obviously the traditional route is you go to college for four years. If you want a little advancement, you get a master's and the, the wheel keeps rolling. But today we see more and more about continuing education, learning new skills, whether it's on a, a site like Udemy or Linda or wherever, you know, online that you learn new skills. Like do, do we need to go to college like we always have? Uh, is your viewpoint on that changed? Does this get solved by continuing to educate yourself and getting new skills? So, you know, Joel, that was I'm really glad that you asked that. And Chad had mentioned earlier, right? We're not we're not reskilling, but yet when you hear CEOs come out, they're like, "Well, we're we're investing in reskilling our population or our our, our organizational employees," uh, but are they? And I don't think so. Uh, or not to the degree, because if they were, th- th- we wouldn't see so many people being let go, especially when they're talent. They have solid talent. So reskilling doesn't seem to be a priority truly within organizations, although we're in the talent and HR human capital space, all the three of us. We hear reskilling is a major thing that is a top priority. Yeah, we, we hear about it. It's a big push. It's a big agenda. It's a top of mind thing. But is it? There you go. And so when you, I, I've, I can tell you this, countless candidates have come to me when let go. And I do tell them to reskill because it can help. It does. If there's 10 resumes uh, and this one or two candidates happen to have just done a graduate certificate in AI for business leaders from, I don't know, Harvard or MIT, that might get be the thing that pushes them over out of that group. But I will tell you this. Two things are happening, and they are very counterproductive. We don't pro, we don't talent acquisition and HR do not present candidates with a higher education as something that is that much more important when it should be. 
because the ability to think outside the box creatively, like Mark Cuban and Elon Musk says, the greatest skills are in creativity and, and to be able to think outside the box. Yet we're not doing that. We don't promote that. Uh, a number of major, major corporations, the household names, have actually said in the last 12 to 24 months, they're thinking of taking lower level opportunities and taking the bachelor's degree criteria off. What does that do? People are like, yeah, that's great. Is it? Because if you don't have that and you get the job, chances are you might not go to school while you're working. That's a tough thing to do. I did it once. I don't want to do it again. Work full-time, go to school full-time. Brutal, but it can be done. Uh, But how many people do it? Not a lot of people do that. So if you get the job and you don't have that bachelor's degree, Oh, guess what? You're not going to be able to move up. Ooh, that kind of hurts when you want to come and go to your boss for a salary raise or apply for the next job. Who's going to get those jobs? It won't be the Americans. It'll be foreigners. So we backfire on education. Uh, We don't promote education and put it on a pedestal when it is oh so critical and has been for centuries, millennia, millennia. So And we all know today, or we should know, that what we know has a half-life of about, you know, depending on who you talk to, something like 18 months, and then it's no good. So reskilling, critical. Education, critical. Thinking outside the box, critical. Being able to take degrees at a master's level for mental, you know, just to be able to feed your brain in multiple different ways to think critically outside the box as the great billionaires that we do promote and put on a pedestal say that we need, but we're not doing it. Who's doing it? There's many other countries that are doing that. So, I mean, you just look, you can Google it all day long where we stand on education, right? Uh, when they statistically, we're, we're, we're trending at the bottom in multiple areas, especially STEM. So, um, you know, that's kind of where we're at. Well, before I jump off the ledge here, uh, we appreciate your time and coming on the show (laughs) as I age more and more with each passing second. For our listeners who want to know more about you or read the book, uh, where should they go? So the book is is available on uh, Amazon. Uh, My website is risingmiddleclass.com, and they can find me on LinkedIn, too. Excellent. Thanks, Vinay. Thanks, guys. We out. Say ya. This has been the Chat and Cheese Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single show. And be sure to check out our sponsors because they make it all possible. For more, visit chadcheese.com. Oh yeah, you're welcome. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.